Thank you, and thanks everybody for joining us. Happy New Year. Uh, my name is Blake Rutherford, and I'm joined today by Howard Schweitzer, the managing partner of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies, and Caitlin Martin uh, of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies. I think Mark Alderman uh, will be with us uh, here in a little bit, but in the meantime, the three of us are going to kick off uh, our discussion uh, this new year amidst, Howard, a government shutdown. So normally we, we return from the holidays, we're, we're jubilant, it's a new year, it's an exciting time in Washington, and yet we come back to more Trump, a government shutdown, and uh, if last night's any indication, no end in sight. No end in sight, and um, you know, it, it's an, uh, it continues to be an interesting time in, in D.C., Blake. You know, new Congress. <laughs> You know, I, I want to talk about about the new Congress and the and the agenda and sort of what all that means. But it's, you know, you've you've got a you've got Trump who's dug in, wanting about five point seven billion dollars to to build a wall. Um, Democrats at one point, Nancy Pelosi says, "I'm not giving him a dollar." Um, Democrats have in the House have passed a series of appropriation bills, which the Senate will not take up. Democrats are vowing to continue to do that in the house until until um until something happens but they've also vowed not to do anything else um until uh the government is reopened so we are um <laughs> there's good luck in washington yeah, yeah. um not I'm, on my commute blake my yeah, commute is much better these days i was gonna say i mean it's um you know i was i was having i was having lunch yesterday and um it, an empty restaurant that normally yeah. is uh, is full. The my my commute less um, uh, shorter than yours, but but the metro not nearly as crowded. Yeah. Um, so hey, there's maybe there's <laughs> our quality of life is is improving, um, getting to and from work. But but in all sincerity, Howard, I mean, what do you make of this? I mean, we're what 18 days in. Yeah. Um, we're we're coming upon a time where rough. I think the estimates are about 800,000 workers are going to skip a paycheck. Yeah. Um, stories all over about about implications for all this. How Look, do you what, do you, what do we do here? I don't think the American people are going to cry in general about federal workers missing a paycheck. So, Unless they're I, one of those it, federal workers. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of people, Caitlin, but it's um, if, if you're impacted by it, you care. If, if you you can't get your farm subsidies or whatever, you care. If you're not, who cares? I mean, I mean, it looks bad. It feels bad. It feels bad that the U.S. government is partially, at least, yeah. shut down. Um, but more broadly, look, it's obviously, um, it's obviously political. Obviously, right. grossly political, um, on Trump's part. On the one hand, on the other hand. Immigration is a is a real issue, and to the extent that um, you know, out of this comes some sort of a real dialogue about um, what to do about immigration, or, or or maybe some sort of compromise on DACA. Uh, there's there's a real issue on that's that's the frustrating part is we need to deal with immigration yeah. illegal immigration is too high um uh, the wall isn't the solution but there are real issues to be dealt with but this is obviously 
being you know totally politicized yeah Caitlin I mean it, it, you know we we know that at least according to what to what we're told that that illegal immigrants people come in with a visa they overstay their visa and that's generally how how um, we find ourselves in a predicament of, of so many illegal immigrants staying in staying in the United States there's been a call I think from from people on both sides to, to address that issue we've got DACA lingering out there um, the wall is a campaign promise which then I think to Howard's point is very much a political question Trump ran on it he hasn't been able to deliver on it we've had I've been trying to count the number of different rationales for for how we're gonna we're gonna Trump was gonna pay for this wall um, public opinion blames him for the shutdown um, what's your what's your sense of the politics of this I mean is it do Trump supporters at the end of the day I mean they go with the president on everything if he doesn't get a wall does that is that such a political loss for him that that he he has to stay dug in for months or longer as he as he indicated he might over over this funding question Look, at this point, I think he's he's dug in, and he kind of dug himself into a bit of a hole that he didn't need to be in in early December when Rep Republicans and Democrats came together and passed these passed the government funding bills with, I think, what it was at $1.6 billion for a wall and some security, and he was set to sign it until Ann Coulter and Rush Limbaugh and a lot of the, you know, far conservative right and Fox News kind of got up in arms, and now that he's boxed himself into this corner, it's... It's tough to see how this ends. Um, it's clear that you know Democrats have a lot more leverage now with them being in control of the House, and I think that um, you know we're hearing that he's privately they're trying to negotiate what is a win, what is a win in this situation. He's not getting the five point six billion for the wall. It's not going to happen. I, I I worry that you know we've reached a point where both sides are so dug in and no one seems to want to come to the middle and talk and negotiate and I don't know what it's going to take if it's going to take local news you know on Friday showing the folks that can't afford their child care bills and can't afford you know their rent payments this month because of this kind of stupid argument over something that isn't really going to comprehensive immigration reform is smart we should we should do something on DACA we should do something on border security but why are we continuing to tie this and legislate by crisis all that said funding bills? all that said let's not forget that this guy Trump is the master of distraction and there are things out there that he has an incentive to distract people from yep. and I that's the other side of this I I think that there is um, reason to believe that that's as much at play as, as anything. Well, you know, one of the things to you know to think about to build upon that point, because as we have been talking about this administration, we always come back to okay, there's the thing right in front of you that you know it's it's like the magic trick where we've we've got the we've got this which we're capturing the audience's attention while I set up this over here or delay you yeah. from paying attention to this over here. I mean, one of the things that that uh, by hijacking the agenda, things that don't launch, like House investigations mm -hmm. um, and, um, and and other things that, that Trump may may not be 
be eager or prepared for. We've we've consistently heard that. Um, I mean, he has an, uh, on top of just a number of of acting people in in, in really important jobs. Um, you know, his press shop has dwindled to to very few. The White House Counsel's Office has has seen um, its number shrink. I mean, there are just things this administration isn't isn't necessarily staffed and ready ready to deal with. Um, Howard, what happened last night? What I mean, I mean, President goes on on television. It's a weird speech, and then Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer give a bizarre response. I mean, what was la- what was the point of last night? Distraction. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, again, I, it's it's certainly not moving the ball down the field from a policy point of view. I mean, Kayla, did anything change after after last night? Did did no. did anything the president say or anything the Democrats say change anything about about this debate? No, and to be honest, I think if he was he didn't sell he didn't sell it very well. I was surprised. I think he under he he was underwhelming. I thought he would come out a lot stronger and be a bit more compelling. Um, he doesn't know, know how to give does. this kind of a speech. Right. It's not in his DNA. And, you know, I think this... Well, he also said he didn't want to do it. Right. right. I mean, that's... Right. To, so they should be interesting. To a room full of reporters and TV network heads. <laughs> Allegedly, they were off the record. But <laughs> Look, I, I, I think if you're looking ahead to, to this year, Blake and Caitlin, it's like Trump is back in, in campaign mode. This is, this is traditionally the year... Um, post midterms, mm-hmm. uh, pre 2020, pre the next presidential campaign. This is a year where where things get done in Washington. And by the way, I think there's the potential that some things get done in Washington. This isn't helpful, right? but it's also early, right? Um, I mean, it's early, yeah. but I think the, the biggest obstacle is that this isn't as, as crazy as um, 2017 and 2018 Trump were. Um, for one thing, to your point, you know, from a personnel perspective, to the extent that anybody inside his orbit could um, throttle him back, those people are gone. Mm-hmm. And um, and he's kind of back in, obviously he's back in campaign mode. He's back to his core campaign promise, the wall. And it could be. I mean, this is this this is shaping up to be quite a chaotic year. Well, and it's and in some ways you can kind of get it. We've talked about it before. I mean, Trump Trump thinks immigration propelled him into the White House. It's the issue he thinks um, is both essential to keeping his base mobilized and 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 fired up, um, which may have consequences in a variety of different different ways, some of them incredibly significant, depending on where the Mueller investigation finally ends up. Um, so he needs, he certainly needs um, public opinion among his core supporters to be as high and as and as, as resolute mm-hmm. <laughs> as possible. This certainly, um, in his mind, based on how he thinks he got from, from 1% in the polls to, to Inauguration Day, uh, so I mean, you kind of get it, Caitlin. I mean, you kind of get what this guy, you, you know, 
may be thinking and and try and at least infuse some method to to the madness um but at some point i do i think we all agree i mean there are things there are things the democrats need to get done from an uh, to frame the 2020 election there are things that that i think republicans would like to see uh, get done i want to talk about talk about some of those things so i mean at some point we we've got to get we've got to find our way through this um because it benefits at the end of the day both sides to find their way through this i just don't know at this point um that anything's emerged it looks like that um talks continue but they will we'll see i guess is, is that how i want to talk a little bit about though the agenda i mean when we were together in our last call before before the holidays um now speaker pelosi um and sort of laid out what she thought the you know the agenda would be um focusing on um you know is that nancy pelosi who over and over again mark said wouldn't be speaker be. yeah oh yeah that's that's exactly just right making sure it's the same it, it, I, Pelosi. I, I believe it is i i am speaker yeah I, I and i did notice that mark you know mark just conveniently wasn't uh had a had had an emergency and couldn't he, make it here he'd rather get a root canal than talk about washington that's exactly <laughs> well i mean you know other than our leisurely commutes to work maybe there's something to that but but be that amazing, Nancy Pelosi is the speaker. Um, she was able to to um, sort of fend off what, at the end of the day, ended up being more of kind of a milk toast challenge to to her speakership, but but not without some concessions. I mean, committing to two terms and 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 then um, and then stepping down to the extent the Democrats, of course, continue to hold the majority. Um, Obviously, for the Democrats to move their agenda, things are going to have to begin in the House. Um, Howard, what do you make of what do you make of of what the Democrats have telegraphed so far? What what kinds of things are on your radar for for twenty nineteen? Well, infrastructure, but that's certainly uh, bipartisan and something that we're up on Capitol Hill and, and around town talking to talking to people about. Um, yeah, there's interest in both sides in, in infrastructure. Um, for the Dems, it's much more everything from schools to broadband to um, to roads and bridges. For the Republicans, it's much more roads and bridges. Um, so that's that's one thing that's on on the agenda for both sides. You know, the House is going to pass a lot of a lot of bills, just like the Republican House did under President Obama. Right. They're, they're going to pass bills that they know aren't going to pass the United States Congress. Um, Democrats in the Senate won't vote, wouldn't vote for the bills that um, that that they are going to pass in the House if their votes mattered. But they're going to pass them because they're symbolic. So we'll see health care legislation. We'll see um, you know some things in the in the in the banking context. We're going to see legislation that. Um, reinstitute some of that which this administration has has rolled back in in its first two years um caitlin what do you think about the you know let's let's talk about this from the from the senate side i mean there's obviously been been no movement thus far um in terms of 
creating much daylight between Mitch McConnell and, and Trump on on you know on really really anything. Um, any sense that that the agenda out of the out of the Senate will um, you know will be different than anything that we've seen? And Republicans seem com- still very committed to judicial confirmations um, and um, you know aside from some of the you know certain bipartisan things infrastructure being really I mean one that you kind of thought by now everybody would have come together on but be that as it may um, we talked we talked a lot about the tax cut bill what do you sense from the from the Senate side um, since the Republicans do you know do control up a decent majority over there and, and, and can advance some things if they want to. I think that the Senate's probably going to be the driving force with a lot of the, sort of an infrastructure legislation and framework. I think that uh, privacy is another area that we've seen potential for bipartisan support. Um, Chairman Wicker on the Senate Commerce Committee has said that that's a big priority of his with the European privacy law GDPR taking effect and California's law going into effect. So I think infrastructure and privacy are two areas that I could see some bipartisan momentum for. However, I think as far as daylight between Leader McConnell and President Trump, I think we're seeing this a little bit with what we're seeing with the shutdown and and a couple of Republican senators, Lisa Murkowski, Suzanne Collins, Cory Gardner, they're bucking the speaker a little bit and and saying, you know, we need to open up the government. So it'll be interesting to see. I don't envision him putting a lot of daylight between. Um, then again, he's got key members up in 2020 that, right. are, that are at risk. And Mitch always does what's best for his majority. And I think on the shutdown, we're not seeing a lot of daylight, but I'm not sure how that relationship progresses. I, I think it's all about nomination and confirmation. And he mm-hmm. said that at the end of last year. Yeah. He passed tax reform. It's a feather in his hat. He's focused on, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to control one of the chambers, obviously you'd rather control the United States Senate. Yeah. And they have a bigger majority than they did the last Congress. And that has serious implications for nomination and confirmation. I mean, think back to some of the battles that took place and whether uh, Collins and Murkowski were going to be yay or nay. And, like, that matters. They matter less. Um, he has more control over the chamber, more control over his caucus, McConnell, that is. And their agenda, I think the Senate's agenda is nomination and confirmation. The House's agenda is not legislation. I mean, they will pass a lot of legislation, but their agenda is oversight. Um, so that's, I think, the way it breaks out. It's This is not an environment that is primarily about legislating. People think about the United States Congress in terms of being a legislative body, but it's it's very much an oversight body. And when you're working, as I have, inside a federal agency, that's the primary perspective from which you're dealing with Congress. And the House is gonna oversee the heck out of this administration, obviously. Everybody's talked about that ad nauseum. Um, I'm a little surprised at the restraint that they've shown. I think because of the government shutdown, they haven't yeah. started hearings and hauling people in as of this week. And, you know, we're still seeing some committees not fully formed. I think the shutdown sort of slowed down a little bit of that running out of the gate oversight. Yeah. And I think that's their oversight power is that that's their mechanism for addressing things that they care about for 2020 more than it is their legislative power. Yeah. Well, let's talk, um, you know, one of the things that 
<coughs> and sorry, sorry, it's not yeah, just about like whether people have committed legal whether they've broken the law. Mm -hmm. A lot of it is about policy, Blake. Mm -hmm. It's like things like healthcare. Mm -hmm. You know, there's going to be a lot of um, of uh, <laughs> got subpoenas are going to be flying on things like health policy. You know, what has this administration mm -hmm. done? What is the impact? It's it's that kind of thing that it is really impactful. Right. I mean, I, th I think in, you know, health policy, we've seen some tension over the census. Um, I think what's really happening at um, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. So I, I, I think certainly will, you know, oversight isn't, is not synonymous with Russia. And I think right. that's one of the things that the Democrats have even said they're, you know, they're not going to, you know, relaunch an open-ended investigation into Russia. This isn't, you know, they're not going to begin with, you know, Trump's tax returns, the things that are, you know, higher profile, but that, you know, become political distractions when, when in fact, I do think there is, there is a lot of concern and curiosity among the yeah. Democrats on policy issues. Notwithstanding some of the noisy members of the freshman class. Oh, there are a lot of one. <laughs> Notwithstanding... We should probably talk about a couple. Yeah. Notwithstanding their their um, volume, it's. I mean, Nancy Pelosi has Nancy's got a impressively firm hold on mm -hmm. her caucus's agenda. She was very artful in um, elevating all of the ranking members to chairmanships in the House. She brought them with her. I, I, I mean. A lot of prominent Democrats around the country, Mark, our partner Mark included, were highly skeptical that she could pull off another speakership. And, and here she is, firmly in control of her caucus, apparently quite disciplined in terms of um, how they're going to execute their agenda. It's, it's impressive. One of the challenges that that the democrats do have is that that discipline um is incredibly effective obviously you know inside the house chamber as things develop um but there are members of this freshman class who are who are very very good at getting themselves on television oh and they're yeah. not they're not falling in line and this is similar to what we saw with the tea party revolution and right i mean they're they're there's a different agenda, you know, emerging from, you know, from several members of, of this new class. I think the most high profile one I was on Fox over the weekend talking about was uh, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, um, who pulled off a big upset, um, uh, has proposed uh, revamping the, the tax structure, structure adding a in essence, a new bracket to tax 70% uh, of earnings over $10 million, um, to pay for a Green New Deal, um, which uh, we don't have the specifics of, but estimates are somewhere you would need $700 billion um, in order to, to do the kinds of things that, that, that we think that, that she would do. Got a lot of attention, um, a lot of attention. Um, but it is it is not the type of 
type of idea that that you the Democrats are pushing as a as a national um, agenda idea, but that doesn't matter. I mean, this is this is this is I suspect something we are going to see more and more of um, as as whatever is happening within the Democratic Party, whether it's a realignment, whatever it may be, um, take shape as 2020 picks up. I mean, I think there's yeah. there's a dynamic here. Well, and Democrats are going to have to deal with it. Yeah, and this is the Trumpification of politics. I mean, it's to me, it's part of the same phenomenon that brought us Donald yeah. Trump. You know, she knows how to, she knows how to use her, her Twitter account very effectively. It's branding. It's, it's not politics. It's amplification of your message. It's notwithstanding the fact that she's you know, pushing 30 and he's um, 72. Right. You know, clearly these, these are two people who know how to use um, modern tools, modern communication tools to connect with an audience. And that's most fundamentally what this is. She's an obviously, as a freshman member of, um, yes, now the majority, but in the freshman member of a party that controls one branch of Congress, she is in no position to impact actual policy at the end of the day. Right. But she has a, from a legislative point of view or even an oversight point of view, but she has a she has a voice and she knows how to use it. And yeah, this is, the question is not whether she has a, a soapbox to stand up on. The question is like, where does this, how does, this long-term manifest itself in our system because it's not going away. Right. And look, if she continues, to, if she is, is a catalyst to pulling the Democratic Party further and further to the left, then I look forward to, you know, Trump aside, once the Republican Party kind of gets their act together a little bit, but this is, that's, that's easy. I mean, there's a lot of disenfranchised folks and, and, and people can't go that far left. That is not going to be a popular opinion well, in the long term. I mean, that's the trick, right? I mean, power in Washington. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, and that's the uh, that's the the delicate the delicate nature of of this for the for the Democrats. It seems, which is the uh, yeah, everyone you know, it's got a microphone now, and if you know how to use it, of course, your um, your platform isn't something that you have that someone else has to create for you. You can, of course, create it yourself. Get your message out bypass traditional um, traditional outlets and, and make news. Um, the political consequence of that, of course, is that the Democrats, especially those running for president in 2020, are going to have to deal with these issues. They're right. going to get asked about this stuff. They're going to get asked whether a Green New Deal is, is a good idea and if this is the right way to pay for it. Um, and this is just the beginning. I mean, we've talked before about Medicare for All, um, which is not going away. Um, Pelosi's even said um, that she's willing to, you know, have hearings on it. Um, that's more of a step in that direction than than we've seen. Um, but um, a, another big issue that that the progressive left is really committed to, um, and depending on how they frame it, you've got free college for all too as, as the other Give everyone everything one. for free, Blake. Sure, I mean, hey, I'm, I'm for it. Yeah, that's great. Um, 
I uh um, something about the Sunday kids. Yeah, I was gonna say. I was really I'm gonna say, college. yeah, I want I'm I'm for it. Yeah, I mean I'm for parent for kids who are who are about to go to college, that's great. Let's just we can repeal the tax cut and you know it'll 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 work out fine. Um but um the thing I you know I sense more than than anything is is that you have a sizable number of high-profile Democrats and at this point predominantly in the Senate uh, who are going to run for president. Mm -hmm. Elizabeth Warren is in. Um, she announced her exploratory committee uh, actually right before the new year and then took a trip to Iowa, big crowds in Iowa all weekend. Um, and it, um, former HUD secretary uh, Julian Castro has announced his exploratory committee. Um, I, I've got a running list here, and I'm not even sure that it's comprehensive, that right now is up to, up to 15 people who um, I think are, are more likely yes than no um, to run for president. And of that, you've got Kirsten Gillibrand, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, Sher Brown, Amy Klobuchar, um, Bernie Sanders, all potentially coming out of the Senate uh, to run for president. Um, a couple of governors, Terry McAuliffe of Virginia, Jay Inslee of Washington, who's taken a trip to Nevada. Hickenlooper. Uh, Hickenlooper from Colorado. Um, and Jim then... Biden. Then you've got, of course, also Cuomo's possible. Yeah, he, you know, Cuomo he said some, Andrew Cuomo of New York. He said no, but then doesn't right. really mean no. Right. Um, he, um, I think he's he's really got to fix his subway system, but <laughs> but maybe that's easy to do while you're also campaigning in Iowa. Um, you've got a couple of private sector guys, Tom Steyer from California, who is in Iowa today, and and at least claims he's going to going to indicate what he's going to do. Uh, Howard Schultz, the former CEO of Starbucks, is thinking about it. Um, Mark Cuban, my pen pal. Yeah, that's right. Your buddy, Mark Cuban. He was he was apparently in, in uh, on the Hill yesterday, um, met with Amy Klobuchar. Um, so, you know, who knows what where where he may be going with that. Uh, Beto O'Rourke, the... the um, Former House member who uh, lost a Senate race in Texas, but built a national profile in in the process, is thinking about it. And then, of course, Joe Biden, who and Mike Bloomberg, who said, "Oh yeah, right, now, Mike Bloomberg, of of course, Mike Bloomberg." Um, so now we're really we're up to like this is like 19 people, 20 people. Um, Tom Delaney's, yeah, Tom Delaney's. I mean, that's yeah, right. I, I mean, over he's in. I mean, it's it's he's hiring staff in Iowa. Um, Bloomberg's said, you know, I'll spend a hundred million if if I get in this thing. Um, that's which is low. Yeah, seems low. <laughs> seems very low. Spent a hundred million on the New York mayor's. Race. Yeah, right. I'm like, that's uh, in a in an Iowa, maybe in Iowa. Right, right. right. Um, Good to be worth fifty billion dollars. Sure it is. Sure it is. Absolutely. Um, but he's he's not going to run. I don't yeah, think. Yeah, you know it. It's it it seems. Uh, of all the of all the folks on this list, you know, he he just is the one that it just doesn't seem likely that that he he would do it. Um, I don't know that that a crowded field is 
helps him at all. I, I don't know what what his differenti- differentiating tactic would be. I don't know if Iowa and New Hampshire, I don't know if the map steps up, sets up well for him. I think there are a lot of tricky dynamics um, for someone like for someone like Bloomberg that you don't you don't necessarily see with a lot of these other candidates. Um, He's seventy six, Blake. Yeah, I mean, the president's seventy something, but he's seventy six. Um, yeah, there's a big op-ed in the in the post today about you know what what's too old to run right. to run for president. It makes no sense to nominate somebody like Bloomberg or Biden who is effectively a one-term president. I mean, it makes no sense at all. And so as much as they may be highly appealing in terms of bringing some adult supervision back to Washington, which I think people are craving, it just does, it makes no political sense. So it's not going to happen. So, the, I mean, the, the challenge for... Also... Sorry. Yeah, no, go ahead. I don't think that this country, um, and I say this as as a Jewish person, I don't think that this country, I think there's too much anti-Semitism out there um, for this country to elect somebody who's Jewish to be president of the United States. I hate to say that, but that's yeah. how I feel personally. It's well, a shame. Well, it's a horrible shame. Um, but so if you take, if... At the end of the day, Bloomberg, Biden, Bloomberg and Biden don't run. Um, you know, Bernie's Bernie's moment seems to have passed. Um, it's like doesn't mean Bernie and Elizabeth well, Warren. They're they're so similar. It just feels like wh- what's the differentiator? Well, and, and she and she's already, a woman, and she's already in. I mean, that's yeah. you know, so so I'm not sure. I'm not sure what where Bernie's maneuverability is at this point. Um, but you've got you've got also Steve Bullock, the governor of Montana, mm-hmm. looking at looking at this race, um, and and a couple of things to you know to think about is also the there, there's some huge names. I mean, look, I mean Hickenlooper, the former governor of Colorado, you know, running for president, even though there's a vulnerable Senate seat um, in 2020, that that thoughts are he. You know, he would have a good chance to win. The same is true in Montana, where yeah. it looks like you know Senator Tester gave our friend gave an interview and and said, look, he just uh, you know the fire for Bullock is to run for president, not to not to run um, for the Senate. So there are um, you know there's a lot. I mean, Beto obviously, um, if he decides to run for president, not challenge John Cornyn in 2020 is another one. Um, if the Dems were were looking at yeah. um, a, a path to both take the White House and take a majority the, in the Senate, I think the 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 question is um, where does the primary process lead as far as how left leaning the yeah. nominee is, because that's going to have a huge impact on electability in in the in the general in twenty twenty and. Gosh, I mean, if there's any election that's ever set up, set itself up for a change in in control, it's it's this one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't see. I think one of the challenges is, and, and maybe maybe Biden doesn't run and and plays the kind of kingmaker role. I mean, who's the who has the stature to to try to move the the 
the dialogue in a way that results in electing somebody um, as the nominee who's electable in the general. Mm -hmm. It's not Barack Obama. As much as he's revered, he screwed that up <laughs> last time around. Right. It's not Bill Clinton because his time has come and gone. Yep. Um, so maybe it's Biden. I, I don't know, but somebody, a la what we were saying earlier, what I was saying earlier about Nancy Pelosi, you know, what's going to get this done is discipline mm -hmm. and message control. And putting somebody like an Amy Klobuchar forward who is Midwestern, who, who you know, doesn't just represent New York and, and, yeah. and, and Los Angeles or, or wherever, doesn't represent the, the coasts, who, who can speak to people who's, who's, who's more centrist. That's what's going to win back the White House for the Democrats on electing or putting somebody forward like Elizabeth Warren isn't going to get it done. And it's going to give us a Trump 2020 if they put Elizabeth Warren up. Right. And so, you know, there's a lot of people swimming in that field, but fundamentally, they need to think about um, electability. Right. And I think that's the, I mean, that's the, the challenge for, for the DNC right now. Um, and Tom Perez has just started to talk about it a little bit, but this notion of, you know, creating a, you know, not making the mistakes of 2016, which the DNC made made certainly quite a few, um, but you know, trying to create a, a a system where there is fairness, there is that ability to to participate, but you're going to have a lot of names which all can't fit on one stage, and even you know, as we saw. Republicans in 2016, um, the even if you make it into a nine-person debate over an hour, what you get two questions maybe. I mean, if you're if you're lucky, and and so I think this is uh, this is it's a difficult um, dynamic because you also you, the field's got to get smaller. <laughs> it, it, that's going to take a while. Um, the field has to adult. I mean, yes. Look, Beto O'Rourke is a real guy. He was a city council member and a member of the United States Congress. Um, and he tapped into something in the public and raised a ton of money. But he doesn't, my opinion, doesn't have the experience to be president of the United States. Um, he, he doesn't. There's And Barack Obama, yes, he was a one-term senator. A state legislator some can ask if it's that different but I think he I to me he's a unique <laughs> phenomenon well, and that's the difference that's that adult yeah I, I mean, mean I mean that's the Democrats and problem, you gotta, you gotta right? unite I mean, this we, country is we need it we need someone that can kind of unite and bridge right. a lot of this don't right? get starry-eyed so right not someone that's gonna yeah. be so throwing bombs so far left that it's just out of the mainstream of america and and and, and beto is also pretty left right um yeah. but he um but yeah i mean i mean this is the democrats problem is is in is in this notion of well we the only way to do this is for another barack obama or for another you know these these transformative candidates that arguably come along once in a lifetime. I mean, 
you, you go back to 92, I mean, Bill Clinton had to grind out that primary. I mean, there was and, – and he got some – I mean, some lucky breaks, one of major one being that Tom Harkin was in, so he didn't have to play in Iowa um, and, and got to focus all of his time and attention on – on New Hampshire, some of these some of these folks are going to have to make some some calculated choices. Um, but but this primary may very well be, you know, one of those that it is a bit of a grind, like just like two thousand eight was a bit of a grind, and that the moment comes much later, as it did when when Ted Kennedy and and the family made their big endorsement of Obama, which I was one of those, you know, elder statesman okay, moments. Right, like, right. okay, here's where we are now. Like, we've done this. We've we've had a great debate. We've had a great primary. Here's who our nominee needs to be, right? And whether you like Ted Kennedy or not, that was one of those kind of like the moment that I think you're you're thinking about here. That really, you know, Obama, you know, had that moment. He just happened to have it in his. You know, in the Oval Office with Biden, with no Biden, I can't believe I did it, but with Joe Biden, who, um, you know, and saying, look, I think Hillary's got this thing locked up, and that was just not right. Um, so I agree with that I don't, I don't, I don't know what that moment is. I don't. It seems like that if Biden doesn't run, that he finds he finds that opportunity as yeah. as this thing opens up. But it's certainly not. It's certainly not anybody else. I don't think it's Hillary. I mean, and, I don't think it's. Yeah, I don't yeah. think there's that. Sort of okay, guys. Here's really where where this party. Here's how we're going to win in 2020. You know, once they've had some contests and gotten a real sense of that, which is still you know a year away. And if you're um, the, the the Republicans, if you're Donald Trump, frankly, you, you're all for more Alexandria Ocasio sure. Cortez. Yeah. And the Michigan rep who said they should impeach the yeah. other effort, <laughs> right? And 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 less Joe Biden, like that's just fine with you because right. that puts tremendous pressure on that field to to shift to the left, like you were saying earlier, right. Blake. And so, you know, I, this is not as vulnerable as Trump is in twenty twenty. It's not a slam dunk. It is not a slam dunk. It's not a fait accompli, and. Somebody better find a way to uh, bring some discipline to the to the process for the for the D's. Well, I, 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 maybe I, it's Mark. Yeah, I mean that's right. I mean, we'll, we'll, if if the next time we do this, Mark can tell us who who the nominee is going to be. He was zero for one with the speaker, but that was in twenty eighteen. We've we've closed the books on twenty eighteen. Twenty nineteen, he can tell us who by by Christmas will will be the front runner in Iowa and 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 we can uh, we can all just put it to rest now. It's fun to argue with Mark when Mark isn't here. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's it's great. I mean, it's 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 I'm I'm, I'm all for Mark not, not being able to defend himself. Right. Um, but in all seriousness, I mean, I, I think the other thing that 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 has to I mean, certainly people have to have to get in this race and I think the the urgency isn't so much in my mind um, about about organization of money, although that is a that is clearly very very important. I think it's very much about message because I think that you've got to get the media's attention, and if you're the Democrats, you want an Amy Klobuchar to get in this race. You want um, you know a Jay Inslee to get it, a Steve Bullock to get in this race, a Jay Inslee to get in this race. Because they're going to be. Steve Bullock has done phenomenal things for education in Montana. 
um, expanded Medicaid, did a lot of a lot of things that a you know in a red state that that the Democratic Party needs to be talking about. Jay Inslee's done an extraordinary amount of investment work in technology and and the stuff the Democrats want to be talking about. Um, and so I think you. Uh, you need that otherwise you run the risk of your message being dominated by all of these other people because for as much as for as much as there may there may be legislative discipline where this is this is the this is the twitter age this is the the endless news cycle age and if people are out there talking about you know these left of left issues the democratic party is going to get defined by that whether any of these candidates run on it um, or not which means then they're going to have to refute it which means then they're already in a position of not being able to present an idea. They're having to argue against an idea, which is never a good way um, to win an election, as we saw particularly in, in 2016. Um, so we'll see. I think I think over the course of the next the next couple of weeks, um, you know, this the field will be bigger, um, and maybe we'll have we'll have some resolution Hopefully on this on this wall thing. Open. Parts um, we can we can at least you know. Uh, we can at least go go to a museum maybe sometime in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> you know, it is interesting. I mean, <laughs> back to my quality of life grievances, right? <laughs> it's 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 the shutdown is is not black and white at all. You've got um, parts of agencies that are open, parts of agencies that are right. closed. You've got people that are there, but they're and they're allowed to work on some issues, but not others. It's 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 very nuanced and and we're navigating that every hour for for our clients right it's a, it's it's you know it, in the real world it's like super challenging to to deal with the mechanics of of the shutdown it'll resolve um it'll be interesting to see the you know how it resolves politically um at the end of the day we know what's going to happen government's going to be back up and running at some point yeah we'll we'll get the government back up and running but it is it is it is very very tricky um and hearing from from friends and and former colleagues in government some of whom are furloughed but they're you know they're some of their contemporaries are working i mean it is a very tricky dynamic but hopefully um you know we'll we'll stay on top of it for sure and 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 happy to happy to deal with any and all of those issues as they come up um well, we've we've about hit the end of our run here for our uh, our first update in in 2019. Um, as always, um, you can get in touch with us, political analysis um, at cozen.com, um, or check us out at copublicstrategies.com. We're we're also on Twitter. Um, you can catch all of our 2018 analysis going all the way back to this time last year if you'd like to. You can even um, go all the way back to 2016. That's right. You can go to. all the way back and 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 uh, if if, if you're so inclined, right or wrong. that's exactly right. <laughs> you're so inclined. Certainly, uh, you can also subscribe um, on iTunes and SoundCloud, um, and uh, and I hope you will. Howard, Caitlin, Happy New Year! Happy, Happy New, New Year! Um, great to be with you. Look forward to to an exciting 2019. And thanks everybody for listening. Thanks, Blake. Thanks.